Yo, what's good? Welcome back to another episode of Bomb with Tyler Tide. You, thank you for tuning in. NBA and NHL playoffs keep rolling on. The NBA MVP winner has been announced. College Softball World Series is underway and has been done. And much more has transpired this past week. Let us not waste any more time and get the show on the road. So for starters, NBA playoffs, games Monday through Thursday. Lots of games to cover. A lot of action this week. Game two of the Brooklyn-Milwaukee series was an absolute blowout. And I have been let down so far in my predictions of Milwaukee taking the series. And I'm kind of upset. They're my boys. And I want them to go far, but I don't think they're going to. They are down 2-0 in the series, and that has not looked good for them so far. Game 2 final score, the Nets would win 125-86. The Bucks struggled from 3 as they finished their night with 29.6%, but shot 44% from the field. Giannis led all Bucks scores once again, but this time not in a very big way. Only 18 points in the night, but did also have 11 rebounds and 4 assists. Chris Middleton finished with 17 points. Five rebounds and one assist. Drew Holiday finished with 13 points, four rebounds, and three assists. Overall, an awfully bad night from them. Getting blown out like that is not okay. And for your top player scoring only 18 in a big series like this, that ain't going to cut it. And they must figure out these issues come game three. Because Brooklyn can easily take no can take that game, no problem. Being down 2-0 was one thing. But being down 2-0 to the Nets, that spells trouble really for any team. Brooklyn was firing all night from three and from the field. 50% from three and 52.1% from the field. A night shooting like that, you are bound to win. I don't care who you are. Kevin Durant led all scores with 32 points, four rebounds, and six assists. Kyrie Irving finished with 22 points, five rebounds, and also six assists. Bruce Brown Jr. finished with 13 points, six rebounds, and four assists. So obviously, the theme of this series has been the play of Kyrie and KD. The goal is to slow them down as much as possible, right? The Bucks have failed to do so, as both KD and Kyrie have scored over 20 in each game with the help of their supporting cast. Milwaukee has the players and the tools to be successful, no doubt. But the priority now is to win Game 3 and slow down the play of KD and Kyrie. Game 3 recap will be discussed later in the show. Moving to the Western Conference, my favorite series for sure. The Denver Nuggets and Phoenix Suns faced off for the first time this past Monday, and it was a solid win from Phoenix, 122-105. to The Suns would shoot 54.1% from the field, but only 38.2% from three. Mikel Bridges would lead all scores with 23 points, five rebounds, and three assists. Devin Booker finished with 21 points, four rebounds, and eight assists. Weird seeing him not drop 40 every game, but hey, this is what happens when the whole team gets involved, and that was definitely the theme of this game. Chris Paul finished the night with 21 points, 6 rebounds, and 11 assists. DeAndre Ayton, solid production from the big man, 20 points and 10 rebounds. Nice little double-double from him. Moving on to Denver, 35% from 3 and 46.7% from the field. Nikola Jokic led all Nuggets scores with 22 points, 9 rebounds, and three assists. Aaron Gordon finished with 18 points, four rebounds, and two assists. Michael Porter Jr. entered the night with 15 points, seven rebounds, and two assists. Suns win big in the first game. I think they have all the talent they had to the NBA Finals. They are my team to represent the Western Conference in the Finals. 
back into the Eastern Conference, taking a little detour. Game two of Atlanta in the Philly series took place this past Tuesday. Philly would win their first game of the series, 118 to 102. 76ers would shoot 46.2% from three and 52.9% from the field. Good shooting on both ends. Joel Embiid led all scorers with 40 points, 13 rebounds, and two assists. Tobias Harris finished with 22 points, six rebounds, and four assists. Seth Curry finished the night with 21 points and two assists. A very off night from Ben Simmons. Only four points, three rebounds, and seven assists. With Embiid playing the way he is in the depth on Philly's roster, it is going to be extremely hard for Atlanta to keep up in the series. Yes, I understand they won game one, but only by four points. And Philly was in there the entire game. So not too sold on Atlanta just yet. Now Atlanta shot 36.7% from three and 45.8% from the field. Trey Young finished the night with 21 points, 3 rebounds, and 11 assists. Danilo Gallinari, 21 points, 9 rebounds, and 2 assists. Kevin Horder, 20 points, 2 rebounds, and 2 assists. And lastly, Bogdan Bogdanovich, 14 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 assists. I think Atlanta is a nice team, don't get me wrong. Some good core pieces, but like I have said previously, they won't be able to handle, and they currently aren't, Handle the size and athleticism of the 76ers offense, plain and simple. So game three of that series started about a half an hour ago while I'm doing this, so make sure to check it out before it ends. (laughs) We're taking a trip back into the Western Conference, and this time it is a brand new series. First time discussing it on the show. So stoked. The Utah Jazz and LA Clippers faced off for the first time this past Tuesday. Jazz taking game one of the series, 112-109, barely edging out the Clippers. The Jazz would shoot 34% from three and 40.7% from the field. Donovan Mitchell led all scores with 45 points, three rebounds, and five assists. Bohan Bogdanovich finished with 18 points, five rebounds, and one assist. Jordan Clarkson off the bench, 18 points, two rebounds, and one assist. Jazz were able to squeak this one out. I I do think they are the better team, but LA is right there, player and team-wise. They're right in the pocket, just haven't really had the let's just say luck, go in their favor in the series so far. Clippers would shoot 38.1% from three and 42.4% from the field. Kawhi Leonard led all Clipper scorers with 23 points, seven rebounds, and three assists. Paul George finished with 20 points and 10 rebounds. Another productive night from him, giving you that 20 and 10 each game. Very nice on his end. Luke Kennard finished with 18 points and two rebounds. This series, I think, will be back and forth, but I give the edge to the Jazz. Just I like I've said before, I think they're one of the teams that they want it more than the Clippers, and the Clippers always just seem to choke in the playoffs, and that's pretty much what they're doing right now. The Game 2 recap will come later in the show because that game also happened this week. Returning to Phoenix, Game 2 of the Suns-Nuggets game was an absolute blowout, and the Suns were fired up all game, dude. Phoenix played a very well-rounded game shooting 47.4% from three and 47.9% from the field. The funny thing about the Suns in this game, they did not have one player over 20 points. So you think, oh, like usually there's always one guy that has, you know, at least 25 or 20, 20, 25 or 30 and has like some huge game. But they did not. But they spread the ball around the entire game. They finished with six players in double digits for scoring. That Everyone is firing. They were firing that night. Devin Booker, of course, led all Suns scores with 18 points, 
10 rebounds and 2 assists. Mikel Bridges finished with 16 points and 2 rebounds. Chris Paul finished with 17 points, 5 rebounds, and 15 assists. That production is just off the charts from the old guy. DeAndre Ayton finished with 15 points and 10 rebounds. Another double-double from him. The Nuggets would shoot 40% from the field and 32.6% from three. If you look at the overall stats from the game, their three percentage is really the only thing that hurt them. Nuggets led the game in team blocks, steals, and only trailed by three assists for team assists to the Suns and had three more offensive rebounds than they did. The team was there. The production was there, just not the shooting on their end. Nikola Jokic led all scores, again, 24 points, 13 rebounds, and six assists. This man is truly something special for a big man like that. To be productive in his role as a starting center is truly remarkable. Michael Porter Jr. finished tonight with 11 points, 6 rebounds, and 1 assist. Pell Millsap, all-time OG, finished with 11 points, 6 rebounds, and 2 assists. So looking at the top scores, only one player above 20 and two not even above 15 points for the Nuggets. They are down 2-0 and are heading back to Denver for Game 3. That game... I'm telling you right now, I'm telling everyone, will be the deciding factor for the outcome of the series. You win that game at home, and you stand a chance. But lose that game at home, your season will slip away. And I truly mean that, because down 3-0 was really hard to come back from. Game 3 of the Brooklyn-Milwaukee series was last night. Talk about a boring game that ended in a like pretty exciting fashion. That was this game, through and through. Final score of Game 3, the Bucks would win 86-83. to this was the bounce-back game Milwaukee needed. Yes, won in a very weak fashion, but a win regardless. And probably one of the worst shooting displays I have seen from two teams in a playoff setting. The Bucks shot 19.4% from three and 37.8% from the field. The Nets would shoot 25% from three and 36.2% from the field. Not one team shot at least 40% from any part of the court. And I'm not counting free throws because that is cheating. <laughs> You're supposed to have at least 80 and above for free throw shooting in this game. So we're not even counting that. Chris Middleton led all scores with 35 points, 15 rebounds, and one assist. Huge game from him. Giannis finished with 33 points, 14 rebounds, and two assists. And now, the reason this game was so bad, they did not have any other scorer outside of those two I just mentioned who scored more than 10 points. Points. That is terrible. No wonder they only scored 86 points in the game. That is garbage. On the other hand, Kevin Durant finished with 30 points, 11 rebounds, and 5 assists. Kyrie Irving finished with 22 points, 5 rebounds, and 1 assist. Bruce Brown Jr. finished with 16 points, 11 rebounds, and 3 assists. A total of 4 double-doubles in this game. The Nets flat out sucked this game, and so did the Bucks. Milwaukee was still able to squeak out the win by a late-game winning layup by Drew Holiday, who had arguably had the biggest shot of the game with that layup. A layup was the biggest shot of the game to win the game. So that just shows you how wimpy it was. And now, one last game for the NBA playoffs for now. Clippers and Jabs would face off last night. Utah would edge out a close win, 117-111, to close out Game 2 on the back of Donovan Mitchell and the overall team percentages from three and the field. Jazz shot 51.3% from three and 53.3% from the field. Above 50 in every category, you have to win the game. That's like literally a guarantee. Donovan Mitchell led all scores, 
with 37 points, three rebounds, and four assists. Jordan Clarkson, Mr. Six-Man, finished with 24 points, one rebound, and two assists. Joe Ingles off the bench, who used to be a starter, but he plays in a bench role now and is, like, nasty. Good night from him. Finished with 19 points, four rebounds, and four assists. The Clippers struggled from three, only hitting 11 shots of 30 for 36.7%. From the field, shot 47.1%. Reggie Jackson led all Clippers scores with 29 points, three rebounds, and two assists. Paul George, again, having another double-double night and being productive. The man is usually Mr. Choker in the playoffs, and that is like a pretty well-known thing in the NBA. But he has played well in every series so far. He finished tonight with 27 points, 10 rebounds, and 6 assists. Finally, Kawhi Leonard finished with 24 points, 4 rebounds, and 5 assists. The Clippers have been close in each game, just haven't had that extra oomph to get them in the win column. Lost by 3 in the first game and 7 in this one. Game 3 is tomorrow at Staples Center, 5.30 p.m. And now, it has really been back and forth in a few series and not so much in a couple others, but that just happens. My prediction for the finals as of right now and how the teams are playing, I am seeing a Phoenix and Brooklyn finals calling it here June 11th, 2021. Let us hope I am right. Milwaukee, prove me wrong, please. So still staying in playoff mode, but shifting gears to hockey, Monday through Thursday games, more to cover as well. A ton of games. Woo! It's heating up, I'm telling you. On Monday, the Islanders and the Bruins would face off again for Game 5. Islanders taking the Game 5-4. to four. So stoked they are up in the Bruins. Somebody new, finally. Josh Bailey of the Islanders had one goal, one assist, two points, and one shot on goal. Matthew Barzal would finish with one goal, one assist, two points, and three shots on goal. Semyon Barlamov, 40 shots saved on 44 shot attempts for a .909 save percentage. Brad Marchand of the Bruins had one goal, two assists, two points, and two shots on goal. Charlie McAvoy could not find the net in this game, but had three assists, three points, and five shots on goal. Pretty much was around the puck all night. Tuka Rask, 12 shots saved on 16 shot attempts for a .750 save percentage. Dude, the difference between shots on goal for the Bruins and the Islanders is wild. Bruins held the Islanders to an extremely low shot count, but were still able to make them count with a total of 16 shots to Boston's 44. That is bad. The Islanders are up 3-2 in the series. Game 6 recap will be later in the show. A sad end to Winnipeg's season as they did not win a single game against Montreal. Swept four games to zip. Montreal advances to the next round and will take on the winner of the Colorado-Las Vegas series once it has finished. Back to the finale of this series, Tyler Toffoli, one goal, one assist, two points, and three shots on goal. Eric Gustafsson, one goal, one point, and two shots on goal. Carey Price, 14 shots saved to 16 shot attempts for a .875 save percentage. Logan Stanley of the Jets led all skaters with two goals, two assists, and three shots on goal. Carter Hellebuck, 39 shots saved to a 42 shot attempt for a .928 save percentage. Honestly, really wanted to see Winnipeg take the series because of what I mentioned with Montreal. They've won so many Stanley Cups. But it was clear from the get-go they flat-out got smoked and just they just weren't ready for Montreal, apparently. Another series wrapped up. Tampa Bay would finish off the Hurricanes in Game 5 with a final score of 2-0. to zero. Ross Colton, one goal, one point, and three shots on goal. Braden Point, one goal, one point, and three shots on goal. 
Andre Vasilevsky, a fat zero in the goal column, 29 shot attempts, 29 saved, monster night from him. Dougie Hamilton of the Hurricanes had five shots on goal. Jordan Martinuk had four shots on goal. Alex Nedeljkovic, 23 shots saved on 25 shot attempts for a .920 save percentage. The shots were landing in game five for the Tampa Bay, and they weren't landing for Carolina, unfortunately. And they are sent home. Tampa Bay advances to the third round. Now, looking at this series, my favorite series of the NHL playoffs by far has been the Colorado and Las Vegas series, and Game 5 was a doozy. Vegas has come back down 2-0 and won three straight games. All the momentum is in their favor, and you're stupid to say it's not. Mark Stone of the Golden Knights, one goal, one point, and one shot on goal. Alex Tudge finished with one goal, one point, and three shots on goal. Marc-Andre Fleury. 28 shots saved on 30 shot attempts for a .933 save percentage. Junis Donskoy, one goal, one point, and one shot on goal. Brandon Saad, one goal, one point, and two shots on goal. Philip Grubauer, 22 shots saved on 25 shot attempts for a .880 save percentage. Colorado is watching their Stanley Cup opportunity waste away, and it's sad. Also, we had another series wrapped up. My New York Islanders beat the Boston Bruins in Game 6 in a big fashion, 6-2. to I'm so stoked. They will be facing the Tampa Bay Lightning in the third round. What a series that is going to be. Brock Nelson of the Islanders, two goals, two points, and four shots on goal. Cal Clutterbuck, one goal, one point, and two shots on goal. Another solid game from Varlamov. 23 shots saved on 25 shot attempts for a .920 save percentage. Brad Marchand of the Bruins, two goals, two points, and three shots on goal. Tuka Rosk, 23 shots saved on 27 shot attempts for a .852 save percentage. He had a tough series. Islanders end this series on a three-game win streak, fighting back from 2-1. So that's pretty sick. Rooting for them big time in their series with Tampa Bay. Now, game six of the Colorado-Las Vegas series. Las Vegas would win their fourth straight game in the series clinching their round three berth. And bro, dude, what a game six. Huge win in a big fashion. They will face Montreal in the third round. Max Pacioretty of Las Vegas, one goal, one assist, two points, and three shots on goal. Alex Petrangelo, one goal, one assist, two points, and two shots on goal. William Carlson, dude, just a rad little one-timer he scored last night. One goal, one point, and two shots on goal. Marc-Andre Fleury, 30 shots saved on 33 shot attempts for a .909 save percentage. Devin Towes would score in the first 23 seconds of the game. He finished the night with one goal, one point, and five shots on goal. Andre Brovovsky, one goal, one point, and two shots on goal for him. Colorado needed a big night from Nathan McKinnon, and he delivered, but it was not enough for the Avalanche. He finished the game with two assists. Two points and two shots on goals. Philip Grubauer, 17 shots saved on 22 shot attempts for a .773 save percentage. The former capital could not handle the offense of the Golden Knights. Las Vegas moves on. Avalanche said home, dude. And I, it's been... Hawk is crazy, dude. We're almost to the Stanley Cup. We are so close to having a winner. And it's just been crazy. In due time, we will have a winner. But damn, playoff hockey is just on another level of exciting. And I... I watched that game six of Colorado Las Vegas, and it is 
I, I was excited for every goal that was scored. I Obviously, I'm a Kings fan, so I don't really want anybody to win except for them, but they're not in the playoffs. But it's just you get excited when they make a goal because sometimes it's rare, and sometimes a game like this where they're just firing, it's like the most exciting thing. So just watch at least one game of the NHL playoffs for sure. <laughs> Taking a short detour back to the NBA, but this time not to discuss any games, but to talk about some players who earned this year's biggest individual awards. Let's go. Nicole Jokic of the Denver Nuggets, what I've been saying the entire year, he was my MVP for the 2020-2021 season, and he went and did just that. The Nuggets center became the lowest player ever drafted in NBA history to win the award and the first Nugget player to win the award. Best center in the league. He would finish the regular season with 26.4 points per game, 10.8 rebounds per game, 8.3 assists per game, 1.3 steals per game, and 0.7 blocks per game. Now doing all of that while shooting 56.6% from the field. People, this man was so dominant this year. I can't stress it enough how good he is. I am so stoked for him as he is very deserving of the award and he seems like a very chill dude. And I'm saying it right now, he will be he will be that productive year in and year out his whole career. Like I'm not joking, he is he is that good. Next on the list, defensive player of the year would go to Jason or Rudy Gobert, giving him the award for the third time in his career. He reached a career high in blocks this season. 2.7 a game, and he matches career best in defensive rebounds per game at 10.1. Cool side note as well, he cut down his personal fouls to just 2.3 per game this year, his lowest rate since the 2014-15 season. His play style is quite different for a usual prototypical center, and obviously I just talked about Jokic, who is like literally does every part of the game, offense and defensive-wise for a center. Gobert is, he literally is on the other side of the fence, not used for his offense in any regard, but he plays quality minutes and can be the defensive anchor for any NBA team. He knows his role of playing tough minutes and tough defense, and this is why he excels at the position. You need a defender, he's got you. You need rebounds, he's got you. A pick and roll guy, anything. Just not really scoring, but that's not his role, and that's not the type of center he is. So three for him. Three awards for that guy. It's, it's pretty nuts. My favorite award, bar none, is the sixth man of the year award given to a team's best bench player or sixth man off the bench. Jordan Clarkson would take home the award this year, by far his best season in the NBA. Finished the regular season with 18.4 points per game, four rebounds per game, and 2.5 assists per game. This, this dude is almost averaging what, like, starting shooting guards average. And this guy's off the bench. Man, that's why the Jazz are the first seed. Started, and he started only one game this year and played an average of 26.7 minutes per game. I miss this dude on the Lakers. Where was this production when we had him? I'm bummed. He is not with the Lake Show anymore. But truly stoked for him as he has that gritty, nasty attitude to the game of basketball. Cannot hate the guy and just all the best of luck to him and the Jazz, dude. Like, for real. The last award worth mentioning, I guess there's the coach of the year, but I just want to talk about the physical players. The last award for just players. Well, I mean, there's the rookie of the year, too, but they haven't announced that yet, so I'll just do that another time. But the most improved player of the year goes to Julius Randle of the New York Knicks, who I think is so deserving of this award. And side note, another Laker player doing successful things, but not on the Lakers. Shake my head. We let him go. And Clarkson, 
and Brandon Ingram, who was last year's most improved player. Lake Show, you're screwing up, okay? Yes, Brandon Ingram being traded was a part of the AD trade, but still, I'm stating an obvious fact. <laughs> anyway, back to Julius. A seriously productive year from him. Averaged a career best 24.1 points per game, 10.2 rebounds per game, 6 assists per game, and almost a steal per game. He had career best in assists, steals, free throw success with 81.1%, and 3-point field goal percentage, 41.1%. We could have really used him and Clarkson on the Lake Show this year, but happy for Randall as he is truly able to shine in New York. I think him leaving has probably been the best part and the most beneficial thing for his career. Like, no doubt. That's what he needed. Because in L.A., a lot of you know, a lot of weight is put on some of these young guys to come in. Hey, we need you to produce now. Him, man, he was a he was a first rounder, and then so was Brandon Ingram. So they had a lot of weight on their shoulders. Hey, produce now, you're the young guns, but it just didn't happen. But you know what? He's killing it. You know what? And he's and he's the face of that New York team. Okay, so that is all the NBA awards wrapped up. I'm just I'm I'm extremely excited for all the players who won, and I think they're all great selections in my opinion. Like I really think they're all worth it. But um. As of right now, I'm going to do something a little unorthodox here, but I want to talk about girls' college softball. So the Women's College World Series are happening right now, and I thought, why not talk about the females who also can huck and hit dingers? So for the College World Series, it was Oklahoma, who was 56-4 in the regular season, and Florida State University, who was 49-13-1. They would face off in a three-game series for the Women's College World Championship, Game 1. Florida State would win Game 1, 8-4. Nicole May of Oklahoma would give up seven earned runs on seven hits for just three and a half innings of work. Top of the fourth, the Seminoles strung together five runs on five hits to take a 7-0 lead. Oklahoma would hit back-to-back homers to cut the deficit 7-2. Mackenzie Donahue in the bottom of the sixth singled two more runners home, making it 7-4, but that was where the offense would see its last production. Game 2, Oklahoma wins game two, 6-2-2. So many twos. Seminoles Elizabeth Mason would strike first, hitting a two-run bomb, starting the game off 2-0. Jenna Jones of the Sooners would hit a solo bomb in the third, cutting the deficit to just one. It would stay stagnant for both offenses until Oklahoma erupted in the sixth. Jocelyn Alo would hit a go-ahead two-run home run, then followed by her teammates, four consecutive singles to add four more runs to their total. Alo would add more insurance in the seventh, hitting a leadoff single and eventually coming in to score on a sack fly. Now, game three, winner take all. Game three, Oklahoma would win the Women's College World Series, their fifth title in school history, with a final score of 5-1. to one. Giselle Juarez threw her second consecutive complete game, and this game she was hurling on the diamond. She only gave up one run on two hits. She went 5-0 and through the World Series and was named the most outstanding player. She only allowed four runs and 31 in the third innings. 31 in the third innings. That is nuts. Jocelyn Aho would homer in game three, her 34th of the season, her school single season record. She was named USA Softball Collegiate Player of the Year. She recorded four home runs in the World Series. A rad series for sure, and I had to give the girls some love. They are legit, and it was a nice change of pace. Excited for, you know, excited for next year's World Series. I mean, Obviously, it's nice, you know, to see the guys, you know, just rock some homers, you know, throw some 100 gas. But, you know, it's cool to see, like I said, nice change of pace to see the chicks. Some of the chicks are nasty, dude. They they can get down. So, it was pretty, 
it's just different when you like you know male i'm not even like saying as i guess sexist thing but like males you know usually just dominate sports so it's nice just to see a little you know a little switch up but anyway once again thank you all for listening in today for episode 36 of the podcast i hope you're enjoying it as much as i am i will see all you fellow ballers on tuesday later